following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Word Alive. I'm Kent Maddox. I'm excited today to share a message with you that I believe is straight from the heart of God. Yes, I really do mean that. I felt the Lord on this message so strongly recently, and I knew I wanted to get it into your hearing today. And so just before I do, we've just celebrated culminating our triple crown finishing where we aligned Alaska, Arizona, and Alabama. It's been a phenomenal journey over the last few months. Many of you tracked with us through All in Alabama 2020 where we literally went to all 67 counties and aligned the state of Alabama with God's prophetic destiny through prayer and declarations in the messages of Ecclesia. Then the next step through the prophecies were to go to Alaska and Arizona and align the double A states with God's prophetic destiny. All this was based on the prophecy in 2008. There's a book available on God's blessing of the nation of America where Chuck Pierce literally in Dutch sheets traveled through every one of the 50 states of the United States of America and released their prophetic destiny that Chuck had been caught up in 2008 in a vision on Ellis Island where God showed him the covenant states of the United States of America. So we believe America has not seen its best day yet. I believe we are headed for our best day. And so we're doing our part here at Word Alive to walk out these prophetic promises. And so we just culminated Alaska, Arizona, and Alabama, and now they are launching all-in campaigns just like here in Alabama, aligning their states with God's prophetic destiny. So it's been exciting. We just finished it up in Baldwin County with Paul Keith Davis, and that's where I'll be bringing you the message from today. And so hopefully you're going to be blessed as I take you into that meeting and release the message God gave me on a new era for justice. And I hope you're blessed and impacted as we were in that meeting. But just before we do, we just passed through Pentecost. It's an exciting one of the Moedims of God, the appointed times. We've offered up first fruits here. We've offered up our decrees and our faith to the Lord to receive the provision of Pentecost, but I don't want you to miss that. So today in your giving, if your tithes and offerings, if you've not had an opportunity to participate in first fruits, I encourage you to do so today. You can give by the uh, information there that's on the screen. And just before you do, I want to absolutely say out loud a prophetic decree of giving declaration with you over our lives our territory. So would you join me in doing that now on the count of three? One, two, three. We are giving out of love and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. And by our giving, we have taken a step into an abundant place of his supply. Therefore, we declare and decree the promise of double portion provision is released over this place, people, and region to God be the glory and praise forevermore. Amen, amen, and amen. So we release that to you today if you're giving of tithes and offerings or first fruits giving. If you weren't able to tap into the service of Pentecost, here's a link on the screen. You can watch that later. It is a powerful, powerful time. We had a release of the sound of Alaska that came into that meeting and that anointing. And Chuck Pierce brought one of the most prophetic, timely messages that I've heard from him in a long time. So I know you'll be blessed by that. Last announcement, we're headed for our next Transformation Weekend, and that's June 4th, 5th, and 6th. June 4th, Friday Night Worship. On June 5th, we're going to Zen Park here locally. We're encouraging people all over our territory in your communities 
do some type of prayer evangelism or prayer walking on Saturday. Saturday night's our breakthrough service at 6 o'clock. And then Sunday morning, we'll be here for our time together here at Word of Life for Transformation Weekend. So we're excited. We're going to have some baptisms that occur. So if you've not been baptized, this is an opportunity to do so. And uh, we look forward to seeing you out on campus for June 4th, 5th, and 6th for our Transformation Weekend. Well. We want to go right into the service now. I'm going to be releasing the message of a new era for justice. There was a mighty anointing that came in. I believe it will touch you as it touched us. This is the heart of God, I believe, for you and I as believers to step into in this season. So watch this. Be blessed and receive the word of the Lord today in Jesus' name. Uh, I've never heard a bad short message. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so uh, we'll... we'll, we'll <laughs> Have you? I mean, I've heard some bad long ones, but I've never heard a bad short one ever. And so, but we do want to release what God uh, is speaking to us uh, to release in this journey. I've been, normally my portion's been on what I have received recently is the revelation of Ecclesia. Many are tracking with me on that in our journey here in Alabama as we're realizing the original word for the church was Ecclesia, which is actually not a spiritual or religious term. It was a governmental term. And that's why Jesus only mentioned it twice in the whole Bible. He didn't have to. That culture knew what ecclesia was. Ecclesia was actually a called out people sent from one kingdom to another territory. And their job description was to cause that territory to become like the kingdom that had sent them. And they were backed by the military and economic power of the kingdom that sent them, which gave them the authority to operate. Hence, Palestine, in a very short amount of time, became Rome because they had sent an ecclesia. So Jesus shows up and he says, you've seen an ecclesia come from Rome and you saw what happened. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to build an ecclesia. And the ecclesia that I build, the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail against it. And so this is, this is, this is where the church is moving. The church is changing. Uh, COVID, you know, where did it come from? Well, it's all up for debate. We can sit here for a long time and talk about that. But I can tell you this, in my life, God has used it. I'm not saying God sends everything, but I know every hand dealt God wins with. So I'm not here to debate where it came here or how it got here, but I can tell you this, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of it for me was, and I understand rights and I understand freedoms, but I also understand that when, when, when I was praying about it and everybody was fighting to reopen their churches, which I understand that on some level, and they were complaining that the liquor store was essential and the tattoo parlor was essential, but the church wasn't essential. And I understand that debate. But what I got from the Lord was to ask myself, are we essential? Or have we just become so religious that we're actually not essential anymore? Because if we're just religious doing religious things, I would have to say the church is not essential. But if the church is a place full of grace and full of power and full of truth and is actually shifting and changing the atmosphere, that's what I'm talking about, changing the atmosphere. <laughs> Get a seat into that message right there. I like preaching when people start bringing money now. I tell people at my church, my brother pastors with me. I said, if you've got a check in your spirit, see my brother. If you've got a check in your hand, see me. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> and so we begin to question ourselves are we relevant 
If your church closed today, would the city miss you? Would they know we were gone? And so I really feel God has used this time to really have us evaluate ourselves, adjust, shift, make changes necessary, and step into a new era. And so I just want to quickly bring you a word that I felt like the Lord gave me, and it's simply called a new era for justice. A new era for justice. They prophesied when we stepped into 5780, Hebraically, that a new era. It wasn't just a new year, it was a new decade, a new era. And uh, in the process, I was on a Zoom call way before we started, uh, you know, tracking with Chief Justice and the Angel of Justice and the words about justice in Alabama. This was a, this was a little bit prior to that. I was on a Zoom call with about 1,500 people, and all of a sudden, a, a prophet that was on the call said, is Kent Maddox on this call? And I unmuted and said yes, and he said, I know this is strange. I know you, of course, and he told me who he was. He said, but he said, I know this just came from nowhere. You're about to read something that's going to have a radical transformational impact on your life and will change your prophetic viewpoint. If it was that prophet calling, that would have been awesome, wouldn't it? (laughs) But it wasn't. Sorry. That would have liked me like, oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody starts repenting. That morning after I got that word, I woke up before God. I walked into my kitchen, and on my kitchen table was a book titled Generous Justice. Generous Justice. I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know how it got there. My wife had never seen it. Nobody knew how it got there. It was just on my kitchen table. Obviously, I read it. And I was awakened to an aspect of justice that I had never been awakened to before. And I want to take just a moment and share what I believe a portion of justice will look like in the church as we step into this new era. Isaiah 32, 32 says, look, a new era begins. Next slide, please. Look, a new era begins. A king will reign with righteousness his princes according to justice. Each will be a hiding place from the stormy wind and a secret shelter from the tempest. Life will flow from each one like streams of water in the desert, like the refreshing shade of a massive rock in a weary, thirsty land. Then at last, eyes that are ready to see will finally be opened. Ears that are ready to hear will finally be opened. I believe justice is going to be the hallmark or the portion that unlocks this billion soul harvest that we've been prophesied about that's about to come. Those whose eyes have been made ready to see and hear are about to come into the kingdom because of experiencing justice in the land demonstrated by the church. Micah 6 and 7, 8, very familiar portion of Scripture. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is sacrifices, even those in our era, going to continue to please God, our worship, our gatherings, the way we've been doing church? 
He has shown you, the prophet said, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord has shown us what we're to do. Will I keep being pleased, God says, with all your religious work and activities? I've showed you what I want you to do. I want you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This is a true mercy season, a mercy era. If you look at the seven redemptive gifts in Romans chapter 12, we've slipped into the mercy season of God. And I believe it's going to be one of the most powerful, compassionate times that we've ever experienced in the kingdom of God. And we're going to be marked as the church. I mean, I've, I've been a part of some good, our church is a good church. I've been a part of good churches. And some churches are known for their great uh, music. And some are known for their great preaching. And some are known for their, their, their truth that they're bringing. And all the different aspects of church. But you know, I'm looking for the church Jesus spoke about. He said, a reason that they'll be so powerful is how they love one another. Where's that church that's so powerful and so attractive because they're so full of humility and mercy and love that it's an absolute attraction to the world for that place because of this divine attribute of how they are in love with one another. This is the church changing, the church shifting, I believe, into a new era, a new place of walking humbly, loving acting justly and loving mercy. We've got to shift, though, because, and this may be, may be tough for some of you, but I can't find anywhere in Scripture where sin stopped God's anointing. Because it says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But I can find many places where judgment stopped the movement of God as we begin to judge each other and other things, stop the move of God. And so we've got to take a shift, I believe, in my opinion, especially in the Western church, of actually what does it mean when God starts talking to us about justice and repentance and, and walking with God humbly and loving Mercy and acting justly. What does this look like for us other than the things we've known up to this point, which are important? But we've got to get a different, uh, what is it, a paradigm. A paradigm is not something that wasn't there before. It just was there, but we couldn't see it because we were looking through the wrong lens. So I began to study about justice. I did a whole study through Scripture now about justice, and I was staggered by some of these truths. This one blew my mind because I had heard all my life growing up as a Pentecostal boy that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed due to sexual misbehavior. But I studied it thoroughly and that is not true. This was a mind-blowing scripture for me, Ezekiel 16 and 49. Is that one up there? This one's an important one to show. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. Arrogant, 
overfed and unconcerned. Now, was there sin and homosexuality? And uh, th- yes, going on, but that was not the root. That was the fruit. See, I'm afraid we've been trying to deal with the fruit instead of the root. The root is God's people arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. It just arrogant, overfed. Unconcerned. Look, I've traveled in 85 nations. Most nations other than ours, it's not what do I get to eat, it's am I going to get to eat. I never think in this country, am I going to get to eat. It's what am I going to eat. But I'm telling you, most only 5% of the world lives here. 95% of the world doesn't live in America. And if you've got change in a cup, driving a climate-controlled car, and a roof over your head, you're living in the top 5% of the world. Arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. So I continue to study the scriptures as God began to deal with me and the aspect of my life and how I was leading a body of people in a church and what God was actually looking for. And I'll tell you a scripture that really troubled me all my life was I think it's Matthew 7, Paul Keith would know, it's in the Bible. Uh, and um, it's the one where, where people came to Jesus and they said, we cast out demons in your name. We we called you Lord, Lord. We, we, we cast out demons in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. And that troubled me. Why? Well, number one, it says people called him Lord, Lord. In other words, they had confessed. But that somehow didn't get the job done. Which tells me a lot of our churches are full of people that have come and confessed but they've not really had an encounter. They're convinced, but not converted. But then it says there's actually people that operate in power, and that still didn't qualify to know the Lord. So I ask, Lord, then what does it mean to know you? If confessing you and operating in power, what does it mean to know you? Now, I'm a student of Scripture, and you know, some of the Scripture's interesting. You have to find your way in it, like marriage. So, should I get married? Should I not get married? Well, the Scripture's not clear. One Scripture says, if you find a wife, you find a good thing, and you obtain favor of the Lord. Paul said, if you're not married, don't seek to get married because you're asking for a lifetime of trouble. So you kind of have to choose which path you're on. I like the trouble. I do. I like the marriage and the trouble deal. I love both of them. I, just, I love being married, love the trouble that comes with it, love all the blessings that come with it. But you kind of have to navigate that. But did you know there's only one scripture in the whole Bible that I found that said this is what it means to know the Lord? One. And it's in Jeremiah twenty two sixteen. 16. 
He defended the cause of the poor and the needy. Is this not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? Is this not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? And when you begin to see how important this is to the Lord, this is a non-negotiable. But I'm afraid we've ignored it and we've put other things above this and we've ignored what the Lord's really requiring of us and looking for as the body of Christ concerning the lines of justice and the repentance that comes along with this concept of justice. And so I begin to look all throughout the Scripture. Every time a prophet's calling a nation to repent in the Scripture, it's based upon what we're discussing today. How are we dealing with the less fortunate? There's 2,600 scriptures that tie righteousness directly to generosity. More than prayer, heaven, faith, hell, and all put together. 2,600 scriptures that directly tie righteousness to generosity. What we're doing for others that they cannot do for themselves. Now, I'm not saying that's what saves us. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't say that I'm saying we're saved by works. I'm saying it's a fruit of salvation. If you're not living this way, if you're not living with this mandate, then you've not really had the encounter you need to have with the Lord. James said something like this. You talk to me about your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. And so I think we've done a lot of talking and a little action, and Jesus is looking for a lot more action and a lot less talking. We like to say it like this, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Tony Campalo is a man that, that I follow. He's liberal, but I like him. And uh, he's a brilliant scholar. I love, his, I love his concept of the Lord. Don't agree with everything he says, but I like a lot about him. Uh, and so uh, I love this story. He's in Hawaii, and he's preaching. And he wakes up because of the time change. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and he just didn't know what to do. Himself, so he goes out and finds a Waffle House. I love the Waffle House, by the way. So he's sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning, he's talking to the cook, and he said, all of a sudden, 20 women walk in. It's about 2.30 in the morning, walk in, you know, uh, dressed, you know, uh, you know, what's the word? Scantily. He's like, who are these? He said, these are prostitutes. They work the streets here in Honolulu. They come in every night about this time for a cup of coffee. So he said, my first thought was, Lord, have mercy. Here I am, a preacher in Honolulu at 2.30 in the morning with 20 prostitutes at the Waffle House. If this ever gets in the magazine, it's going to be bad for all of us. He said, that was honestly my first thought. He said, but I sat there, and I was just drinking my coffee, listening and he said, all of a sudden, one of them said something about the next day was her birthday. And so he said, I sit there, and he said, I felt a nudge. And he said, I thought, what is this? He said, I felt this something that said, I need you to come back tomorrow night and throw her a party. He said, I thought, well... So he told the cook, he said, look, he said, I know this is crazy. And the cook says, what do you do, by the way? He said, I'm a preacher. 
He said, okay. He said, well, what do you want to talk about? He said, I think we're supposed to throw that girl a party. The cook said, she's a prostitute. He said, I know. He said, you're a preacher. He said, yeah, I know, but I feel like the Lord's telling me where to throw her a party. He said, i tell you what, if I decorate, will you make a cake? Tony. I said, sure. So he goes back next night, sets his alarm clock, gets up, 2.30, shows up early, decorates, banners, happy birthday. Cook's got a cake. Here they come, 20 prostitutes. Walk in their high heels and mini skirts and stroll into the Waffle House, and all of a sudden there's the preacher, Tony, and calls her out, sings happy birthday, lavishes her with, and, and here comes a big cake. The cook had made, and he said, as soon as he got there, her sheep just broke down sobbing. And he said, what is it? She said, I've never had a birthday party my whole life. He said, well, let's cut the cake. She said, can we not cut it? She said, why? He said, I've never had one. <laughs> so I thought, just take it home. She said, they said, who are you? He said, I'm a preacher. The cook says, what kind of preacher would throw a party for prostitutes? One of them said, the one that follows Jesus. <laughs> Preaches the gospel. All the girls get born again in the Waffle House. Come on now. See I, see, I think we keep waiting for God to show up in the church, and the church needs to show up somewhere else where God can step in and begin to move. And most of us would be scared. You know what's sad is most, what's sad is most preachers don't trust themselves with prostitutes. Come on now. I think that's what's got to change. If you're a preacher and you're a man of God, you ought to be able to sit right in the middle of a prostitute and not be tempted. If I got the scriptures right, one of them washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Come on now. It's, it's Saturday morning. It's a new era. We've got to shift some things. We've got to start looking at things differently than we've looked at them before. Here's what, here's what the Scripture says in Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast in their wisdom or the strong boast in their strength or the rich boast in their riches. Let the one that boasts boast about this, that we have an understanding and that we know God, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. This is the new era of justice. Isaiah 58, here's what it says. Shout it out loud. Don't hold back. Raise your voice up like a trumpet and declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. He's telling the prophet, go tell the people what the sin is. I don't know about you, but all through COVID, I kept hearing... 2 Chronicles 7.14, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people called by my name, humble themselves, pray, repent, turn for their wicked ways, I will heal their land. I, and I'm, I'm all about that. I'm just saying, what do you want me to repent from? I just tell me. I need to know. I mean, I've done a plenty in my personal life, you know, but I'm just saying corporately what we got to... Well... 
Are you trying to close me down or shut me down? Or? Okay, I was like, I was like, he's done. I thought Paul Keith may gave you the silent. He's done. He got to go. <laughs> I thought Paul Keith gave. He got to sit down. <laughs> Come on, Chief. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dude, I, I thought you shut me down. Like. <laughs> oh, Lord. Tell my people what's going on. Look, I understand abortion, and I appreciate the work we're doing to end this. Right? I, I so appreciate that. I, I appreciate that, you know, there's ministries and, and, and the whole concept about homosexuality. I appreciate that. But we can't keep elevating that and not also deal with some root things like capitalism and and greed and, and this stuff that's hid in these, these submarine sins in the church that we want to hide. Why? Because most of us here are not gay and most of us here may not even have committed abortion or done abortion. That's, that's a small percent. And I'm all about fixing that. I'm, I think that is justice that we do that the right way. But what are we, the mass, what are we supposed to be repenting from? The Bible tells us very clearly. He said, shout a full-throated shout. Tell my people what sin actually is. Come on, man. Come on. Here's what it is. Day after day you seek me out. You seem eager to know my ways as if you were a nation that does what is right. And God has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near. Why have we fasted, you say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, here's what you do. You do as you please and you exploit your workers. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is this what I've asked? A fast like this? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fast I've chosen? Loose the chains of injustice. Untie the cords of the yoke. Set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? Provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked? Clothe them and do not turn away from from your own flesh and blood you do this then your light will break forth like the dawn your healing will appear quickly your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard then you will call and the Lord will answer you will cry for help and he will say here am I if you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing of the finger and malicious talk and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail and you people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of broken walls, restoring the streets to make them available to dwell in again. Amen. This is what God's saying to us. This is what God's saying to the church. In my opinion. This is the fast I've chosen. This is what I'm looking for. Deal your bread with the hungry. 
take care of those who can't take care of themselves. It's not the government's responsibility. That's broke. That ain't working. When I read the Bible in Acts, it says they had a church that was so powerful and such in common love with one another that there was not one among them that lacked anything. They took care of each other. This is what the world's looking for. This church. Matthew 25, that big, great, and terrible day. You know, I keep... I've been just rereading scripture and it seems like I'm not making a lot of sin sin's horrible but it really has little to do with God it's horrible for you because the end of sin is death but when it comes to God God seems to have a little different attitude every time I find Jesus it says Jesus ate with sinners is that not true? why? Jesus never viewed sinners like an attorney. In or out, right or wrong. He viewed them as a physician. Sick or well. The church, we've been so much in or out, right or wrong. No, it's sick or well. The, the well don't need a physician, Jesus said. The sick do. If we could start seeing sin, not as right or wrong or in or out, but sick or well, and start healing people's sickness of sin, then I'm talking about a church is going to explode. My church is full of sinners. We have a smoking ground. People ridiculed me for it. How dare you have a smoking ground in the church? I said, well, people smoke. Oh, Lord, I can't believe we're going to lose it over this one. I can show you the first cigarette smoked in the Bible. Genesis 24, 29 says, Rebecca saw Isaac and lit off a camel. <laughs> Come on, Dottie. Give a seed in there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> smoking ain't going to send you to hell. You can go to heaven smoking. You'll just have to go to hell to get a light. <laughs> Come on. we got to shift our mentality. Right? we got to shift our mentality. Do you know how many people have actually been ridiculed because they smoke and come to church? Sad. It's so sad to me. It's heartbreaking to me that people would be rejected from church because they smoke a cigarette. You know what makes me do? It makes me want to smoke one right in church. Like that's the biggest issue in their life at that moment. It's like the guy that showed up at church in ragged clothes and sat in the back and they were glad to have him. He was a visitor. But they came and said, you need to, uh, you know, probably dress differently. Right? You're just not dressed properly. You need to dress differently. They said, just pray and ask the Lord what he'd have you to wear. So next week came back, same old overalls. We go home. They said, we thought we told you to ask the Lord what you should wear to church. He said, I did. 
He said, what would you say? I said, Lord, what should I wear to that church down there? They said, what the Lord said? He said, the Lord said, I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> you know the one that got me? All my life. Y'all remember this one? Come let us reason together. Though your sins be as I will make them. Have you ever really read it? Listen to what it says. When you come to appear before me, who asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your incense is detestable to me. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feast and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me, God said. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Listen. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Come now, let's settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall become white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. I'm seeing what I need to repent from. I'm realizing. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. God calling us to justice. But it's so foreign to our concept because we love our stuff. I love my stuff. Don't you? Don't lie. We love it. We love our stuff. It's okay. We can love stuff. Just don't love it more than the Lord. I'm not tooting my own horn in this. It just happened. But I'm watching justice be released, and it's mind-blowing. I was at a... You know how... How many been... Y'all ain't been in any warfare lately? I brought 30 of these healing chairs home two weeks ago and wound up in the hospital all week for tests, for sickness. So I'm going, you know, sitting around all these sick people thinking, praise the Lord. You know, and then the devil works, you know, like the guy comes in a little walker, there's your future. I'm like, mm, that's going to be bad. And then I, oxygen, I'm like, man, that's not going to go good with my polo shirt, you know, that big old bag. You just start thinking, you're like, I don't want to be sick. So I'm sitting there just depressed and sad and fearful and, you know, just thinking, hmm. And uh, 
So I'm all these tests. I walk up to the lady. She's checking me in for my next test. I'm like, how you doing? She said, horrible. I said, why? She said, I just found out I, my car's broke. It's $1,000 to get it fixed. I don't have any money. I've got to rent a car to get back and forth to work. I don't have money for that. My children don't have this. My children don't have that. And she, I just got the call, and she said, I'm sorry to put the burden on you. She said, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, there ain't nothing you have to do. Boom, here's my credit card. Pay it. How much is it? $860. Slam the card. I'll call Paul Keith to help me with it. <laughs> Done. Justice. Just broke down sobbing. She said, I didn't even know there were such people like this in the world. I'm just saying, what's it to us? We'll figure it out. But why should she sit there worried to death about trying to get a car and take care of her kids and go to work? Most of us say, well, I'll pray for you. God said, I hate that. I hate, I detest those kind of prayers. I will pray for you when you got the money in your pocket. generous justice this is what God's go and learn this I desire mercy compassion not sacrifice for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners how did I get here how did I get to where I'm at in this trying to live this lifestyle see it says in interest, go learn this you can't teach mercy. You have to learn it. And you know how you learn it? You have to need it. And I don't know about you, but I've had about a decade that if it wasn't for the mercy of God and just His goodness, I wouldn't be here today. If it just wasn't for His mercy, just His pure Goodness. I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you be destroyed. I'm not going to let this thing take you under. I'm just going to show you mercy. How then after we've received such mercy, can we not be merciful people? Not judging others, knowing that by the grace of God, and you talking about power getting released? Power being released through the church? My son Caleb's here somewhere today. That boy's a sight. We have a time. I wasn't going to tell this today, but I feel like I need to. Because God used Caleb in my life. Caleb's been finding his way in the Lord a long time. Both, all of us have. He and I were in the Ukraine together. You know, they're pretty religious there. And, uh, oh, Caleb, he'd smoked a couple cigarettes and, you know, people looked at him, oh, you know, not, not a good person, you know, smoking cigarettes. And Caleb didn't really care. So I got a big meeting I'm preparing for. So I'm in the room praying for hours, like just 
God move, God move, God move. Okay, look, he's just sitting out on the balcony, smoking a couple cigarettes and just hanging out. I looked at him and thought, Lord, have mercy. So we get to the meeting that night. I preached what I thought was the most relevant message about the cross, scripturally based, interpreted well, communicated powerfully, that the power of the cross. There were sick people there. I'm talking about stretchers, tuberculosis, sick, sick people. I started praying for the sick, not a person getting touched. As if I was just touching that wood, I'm just talking about dry as a bone. I looked over at Caleb, he's just sobbing. Sobbing. Oh, Lord. So I went over and said, you all right? He goes, Dad, these people are so sick. He said, I don't want them to go home sick. They're sick people. They need help. I said, then you pray. He said, what? I said, you pray. Every person he touched. I said, Lord, what in the world is this about? He said, you wanted them to get healed because you wanted them to think you're anointed. Come on. He said, he wants them healed because he's sad they're sick. When you get to the point that you're just sad they're sick and you just don't want them sick no more, things are going to start changing. Go learn this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Give me one scripture and sing I'm going to give you one scripture and sing it. This was the icing on the cake for me. John the Baptist. Remember that? Talking about a, he was a seeker-friendly preacher. Remember, remember this message? You bag of snakes. That's what he called them, brood of vipers. You bag of snakes. Man, he bear fruit worthy of repentance. What do we do, they ask. If you've got two coats, give one away. If you've got this, take care of this. Justice. Not go to the altar and cry your heart out about your stupid mistakes. That's part of it. But it's time we quit crying about our stupid mistakes and just get up and start doing something for the Lord and honoring the Lord. With And what I found is if I'll start serving him while I'm making stupid mistakes, eventually I'll quit making stupid mistakes because I'm just going to be really close to him because he's very close to the poor. But we're sitting around saying, well, if I ever get everything right, I'll go help somebody else. Well, you ain't never going to help nobody. We got to start right here, right now, into this place and start releasing God's goodness and God's justice. I think it's a new era for justice. So, that's my story. I'm sticking to it, and we'll move on from there. Come on. What you got? I got a song in my heart. Put it, put it on me. This. You won't know it. I'm just going to sing it over us today. All the poor and powerless All the lost and lonely All the thieves will come confess And know that you are holy 
will know that you are holy and all will sing out hallelujah and we will cry out hallelujah and all the hearts who aren't content and all who feel unworthy all who hurt with nothing left we'll know that you are holy and all will sing out Thank you. 
Keith's coming. I just want to say one last thing. Paul Keith's turned me into a Roland Buck fan. He studied his life, and first time I read the book, Angels on Assignment, this is the man that Gabriel appeared to 26 times. When I read the book, I was shocked when the angel Gabriel told Roland Buck, he said that we could see what God's interests really are. This is the Gabriel tells Roland Buck that you can see what God's interests really are in the 58th chapter of Isaiah. I read it, and sure enough, it was written right there in the Bible, just as the angel said. And Roland Buck said that every act, when we're giving love, the angel Gabriel said to Roland Buck, when you are giving love and concern to the people, God is writing in the archives of heaven those acts for which he will say to each of us, thanks. Thanks. God will say to me and you one day, thanks. When you did it for the least of these, you actually did it for me. Uh, just you guys can keep playing. I just um, really felt like this is too important for us just to move on in the morning. I, I feel like there needs to be some agreement with that. I believe this is part of the blueprint to move into this new season. And so I just wanted to pray a, a prayer of agreement that it's going to be our commitment, be our focus in this new season to do what Kent was just sharing. In this atmosphere, that would you agree with me? Would you commit that this is what we're going to focus on? We're not going to be focused on how popular we can be or how big our ministry can be, but we're going to genuinely focus on what's important. Lord, you tell us what's important to you, and that's what we'll do. So I just want to pray that agreement. I just want to take this two or three minutes. We're going to take this message and let it sink into our hearts. Ask the anointing to carry it deep inside. Not that something we agree with here, but something we agree with here. It'll go down into your spirit that you carry it in here because that's really what you're going to become. You eat a word, you become the word. So let's just eat this word for just a minute in the anointing. Lord, I thank you that you're revealing to us what is important to you. You're giving us the secrets to move in power. You're giving us the ingredients we need to become a kingdom people, to discover what pleases heaven. Ultimately, that's our desire, to be pleasing to you. Ultimately, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. We have fed the poor. We have preach the gospel to the to the needy and the poor we have prayed for the sick we have focused on the things that are important to heaven so lord i ask that you seal that in us with this anointing that's in the room right now seal this truth on the inside of us so that we cannot escape it we carry it we carry it as part of our dna we carry it as part of our mandate we carry it as part of our destiny it's our destiny to do what is important in the kingdom of heaven, the righteousness, peace, and joy that characterizes the kingdom of heaven. So I just release that anointing in your life that you would carry this, that our words and our actions would be pleasing to you, that our meditations would be pleasing to you, our words would be pleasing to you. We're not going to 
give lip service to something that we don't do. Lord, I pray that you would release that into us right now. There's a scripture that talks about the fact that you give lip service to God, but you remove your heart far from him. Let that not be the case of those of us in this room and those that are streaming. We release this anointing to those of you that are streaming. Kent carries this, so he's releasing that to you so we can carry it as well. Let me be a carrier of the kingdom. Is that your prayer this morning? A carrier of the desires of God. The things that are fruitful, the things that are noteworthy, the things that we carry into eternity. Grant that, Lord. Overshadow us this morning and let us be changed today by what we've heard this morning. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Would you say amen with me? Amen. I believe that's your... I'm looking at your faces and I can see the tears and I can see the sincerity. And I really believe that's going to please the Lord for us to carry this out this morning. So thanks so much, guys. Thank you, Ken. That was a word from the Lord. So receive that as a word from the Lord. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.